The Bible reading for today comes from the Gospel book of John, chapter 6, verse 22 to 66. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the opposite shore of the lake realised that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but that they had gone away alone. Then some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realised that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, They will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit of life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Thanks, Andy, for the epic reading. And hi, everyone. Good morning. It's great to be with you and uh, great to be able to share with you today from the Bible. And I want us to think together about food this morning so I don't that's probably not too hard I spend a lot of my time thinking about food anyway maybe you do as well and so this this is just going to be pretty simple simple way to start the year for us thinking about food about eating and about not eating as we read uh, John chapter 6 together and it's a very long passage so we won't look at everything that's there but really important to just grab the gist the essence of what Jesus is saying here in this dialogue with Uh, a group of people who come to find him. And the reason that they're looking for Jesus is that they have been part of a fantastic meal. Jesus, uh, we're told earlier in chapter 6, fed a huge crowd of people, over 5,000 people, with five barley loaves and two small fish. And everyone ate and was satisfied and there was heaps left over. So this was an amazing, this would have been an amazing thing to be part of. This satisfying meal, this miraculous meal uh, that Jesus gave to the people who were hungry and who'd been listening to his teaching. And so not surprising that now these same people uh, are looking for Jesus and uh, want to find Jesus and are excited about Jesus. They're saying he's a prophet, they're wanting to make him king, they're searching for him. They're eager to find out more and eager for more from Jesus. And it's really interesting that uh, Jesus pushes back against their enthusiasm in this passage to the extent that many of them give up wanting to follow him. So that's interesting. Here we have some really keen people and it all seems very exciting at this point that so many people should be interested in Jesus and yet the things he says to them prove to be too hard for them to hear. Uh, The thing that he begins to challenge them about is what exactly they want from him. What is it that they've they've come to get from him? Um, Listen to what he says. They want to know uh, how he got there. Jesus answers in verse 26, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
They're looking for him because they had this great meal. And he says to them, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Jesus actually warns them that uh, they're in danger of looking for the wrong thing from him. That if really what all they want is to be fed again uh, with bread and fish or whatever it might be, that they're going to miss the point about Jesus. That they're going to get the, the thing that they don't need most. They're going to miss out on the thing that they need most. And that is bread, food that lasts for eternal life or endures to eternal life. This is what Jesus is actually on about. This is actually what Jesus has come to do. And they mustn't miss this about him. Well, they get into a bit of a dialogue about what God wants from them at this point. Uh, But Jesus continues to press them about this. Uh, And he tells them straight out later on that he is the bread of life. This is verse 35. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So what Jesus comes to bring them is not just bread to keep them going or fish to keep them going, but himself, that Jesus actually is himself, the the bread of life. Jesus is the one who can actually lead people to eternal life. And when they hear this, they start to complain about it because they're going, hold on a minute, we know this guy He's, he's saying he's the bread from heaven, but we know, he, you know, he, he grew up around here. Uh, we know his parents. He didn't come from heaven, he came from Nazareth. Um, that just doesn't make sense. And so they're, they're offended by what they hear. Uh, but Jesus actually uh, responds even more strongly. He kind of, as Americans say, he doubles down on, his, on what he's been saying to them uh, by, sa- by actually saying, no, look, this is, this is not negotiable. This is absolutely essential that you have me the, as the bread of life. Um, what does he say? I am the living bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What is the bread? What is this bread that Jesus is talking about? It's himself. It's his body. He's going to give himself for the world. He goes on, verse uh, 53, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And in pushing back against them, Jesus has really gone into territory which is highly confronting. I mean, I think this is probably true for us to think about eating flesh and drinking blood. That's gross. That's, and for Jewish people of Jesus' time uh, and the law that they had against these things, it was especially so they would have regarded this kind of talk as unholy. And so Jesus, in in speaking in this way, is really pressing them about his importance. Uh, 
that he has come to give them eternal life. It's going to happen through his death, his body and blood. And in speaking in these in separating his body from his blood in this way, Jesus is really indicating that he's talking about not just his, his bodily life, but his death for their sake. That this is essential for them. And he uses the, that word, unless. Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood. So this is essential. Jesus uses this word, unless, just three times in John's Gospel. And each time, it's really to, just to say, look, at this point, there is no negotiation. At this point, we're just talking about what is absolutely essential. The other times are when Jesus says, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And unless a seed is planted in the ground, it can't grow. Speaking about his death and resurrection. These things have to happen. These things have to happen. If you want to have eternal life then you have to feed on Jesus. What is he talking about there? What is he trying to get at by using this really gross image? Well, what is this all about? He, this eating and drinking and feeding on Jesus. Well, it's a, actually, I think, a way of talking about the nature of faith, of real saving faith in Jesus and it's pretty clear that actually what's going on here is that Jesus is talking about faith. He's talking about believing in him. What is the work of God? It's to believe in the one that God the Father sent into the world. So it's a way, this eating and drinking is a way of talking about what real faith in Jesus is like. That we need Jesus like we need food and drink. Or in fact, we need Jesus more we need Jesus even more than we need food and drink. And that's confronting to it. That's confronting us with the need of how much we need Jesus and how invested in Jesus we need to be. Uh, this is a, a bit hard for us to grasp, I think, because for most of us, uh, food is not a problem. Food is not a problem. That is, we, we have plenty of it, by and large. The, the hard thing is choosing what to eat. Which delicious option? Uh, and we, you know, we just thank God that we live in such a prosperous time. Recently, I was reading a book uh, called Gulag. It's a history by a woman called Anne Applebaum of the prison work camp system in the Soviet Union. It was about six or seven hundred page history of uh, the prison camps. And, uh, yeah, it was a very happy read, I have to say. I uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, during this, in the time of the Soviet Union, hundreds of thousands and at sometimes millions of Soviet citizens were in the camps where they had to basically work as slave labour. Many of them there were there for no crime at all. The crime that some of them had committed was something like making a joke about Stalin... But many of them were just arrested and sent to the camps for no reason. It was that arbitrary system. And uh, the th the it's a fascinating history of the whole thing, uh, but the prevailing thing I got out of it, the, the, th the recurring theme again and again, was that the people living in the camps were constantly on the verge of starvation. That 
their hunger and their preoccupation with food was the, just the number one issue, fact of life in the camps. And people would get a food allowance according to how hard they worked. It meant that many people who weren't able to work hard were constantly uh, on the edge of starvation. At, during bad times, uh, hundreds of thousands of people starved to death in the camps, and, uh, but they were just preoccupied with food and scrounging food all the time. That They were constantly calculating you know, just how much they needed to survive and how they could get what they needed to survive. An obsession with food, uh, an experience of hunger, for some people for years and years and years. An amazing story. And it was very helpful for me, actually, to be reminded that that is what life is like and has been like for millions of people around the world all the time. That food is about life. That food is just is about survival. It's about living. And so when we read something like this, we need to remember that the people that Jesus is talking to here, the, the ordinary people of... Uh, of Galilee that Jesus is speaking to, many of them would have had that same daily experience of calculating whether they could survive. That getting enough food was a mat, just a matter of life and death, a constant preoccupation. And Jesus is saying to them, you need me even more than you need food. No wonder that some of them were offended. I suppose, that that's a huge challenge, isn't it? That for us to have life, we need food. To have eternal life, we need Jesus. We need Jesus even more. There's something more important even than survival through eating food, and that is to be able to be with God forever because of Jesus. He's my ultimate need, and without him, I have no life. I have no life in me. I cannot have eternal life. Without Jesus, I have no future. Without Jesus, I have no hope. Without Jesus, I have no place with God. Without Jesus, I have no forgiveness, no adoption, no sharing in God's kingdom, no hope for the renewal of the world. Ultimately, without Jesus, I have nothing. That's the conviction that Jesus is pushing us towards here as we read what he's saying. So, of course, when Jesus says that we should eat his flesh and drink his blood, he's not speaking literally. The people in the story, they, they're getting confused. They think Jesus is being literal. And we actually, through John's story, we see again and again people not getting it. They're kind of spiritually hard-hearted and they take Jesus' words literally when he's not speaking literally. So remember Nicodemus, chapter 3, Jesus says, you have to be born again. And what does Nicodemus say? How, how could I get born again? How could I get back in my mother's womb? That's so dumb, so literal. But it's a kind of sign of his hard-heartedness that he's not understanding what Jesus is saying. Jesus talks to the woman at the well and he uh, talks about the living water and she says, uh, well, give me this water so I won't have to keep coming to this well. She, she's again taking Jesus literally, not understanding that he's speaking about the Holy Spirit. And here again, um, the same thing. But Jesus is not speaking literally. It's a metaphor. Um, 
But interestingly, it's just probably worth thinking about which way the metaphor works. That is, I think that Jesus is saying that the food and the drink that we normally drink in our eat and drink in our lives is a metaphor for the real thing. Did you notice that? He said, my body is real food, my blood is real drink. That's saying something about what's really real, what's ultimately real, and suggesting that the things in our lives, the literal physical things, though they're real and good, they're not as real as the realest thing. It's hard to find the right language at this point. But actually, this happens again and again in the Bible. It's, I think, worth pointing out that in a biblical worldview, the immediate things of this world, the material, the physical, the things that we encounter in everyday life, are often understood to be not ultimate, but rather as things pointing towards something greater and bigger and more significant and more important and more lasting and more real. What are some examples of that? Well, we've already talked about being born. We tend to think about physical birth as the most real kind of birth, but for Jesus, actually, there's a more real kind of birth, being born to God or born from God. That really matters more in the long term. Or think about weddings and marriage. You go to a wedding, that seems very real, right? Very concrete. But according to the Scriptures... The wedding is just a sign to us of an even greater marriage, a marriage which is the realest marriage, a marriage which is an eternal marriage between Jesus and his people. And our marriages are just a sign pointing to that, just a shadow of the real thing. That's a different way of looking at the world, isn't it? And so it is with food and drink, a sign given to us by God of our ultimate need, our need to feed on Jesus, our need for Jesus. That, that is the real eating, that is the real food that we need. So Jesus is saying that uh, food and drink are uh, a metaphor for the real, the real thing, which is him. And so this ch really challenging, challenging us about our faith in Jesus. Because these people who've come to Jesus are interested in Jesus, but they don't have real faith in Jesus. And that, that's just, a, I, I think, a helpful challenge to us to hear. So, look, imagine that I invite you over and I cook you a meal. And uh, we sit down and you look at the meal that I've made for you and you say to me, Rob, this meal looks excellent. I'm a big fan of your cooking. Uh, it looks great and, in fact, it smells great. I love the way you've played it up. I can see there's a crunch element. Uh, I'm really impressed with what you've done here. And I believe if I ate this meal, I, I'd be satisfied. I'd, I'd feel uh, it would be nutritious. It wouldn't poison me. But in fact, I would, you know, I would feel great if I ate this meal. And uh, so, I'm, Rob, great work. I'm really impressed. And you just sit there. What would I think? Well, I'm glad that you like the look of it and you think I've done a good job. But it's for eating. It's for eating. And so, so it is with Jesus. You can be a fan, you can be interested, but ultimately you need to take the step of, of totally committing yourself to him in a way that you do when you eat a meal. 
Uh, you're not just saying it looks nice or it smells good, but you're actually you're going for it. You're hoeing in, and that's what we need to do with Jesus. And the good news that uh, we heard in the passage is that if you do this, if you come to Jesus in this way, if you say, I, I'm all in with Jesus, just as I, I'm as committed to Jesus as I am to eating, a meal, eating meals each day, then he, he won't push you away. He won't reject you. Uh, he promises that in the passage. What does he say? Verse 37. Uh, Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Well, how can this idea of eating and drinking uh, help us to live a life of faith in Jesus? Well, first of all, uh, I think it means that hunger is a helpful thing for us. And uh, I have to admit, I don't feel hungry very often. That is, I, I mean, as the moment I feel hungry, I do something about it. But actually, it would be good for us sometimes to just feel that feeling of hunger. And the reason is this, because uh, whenever you're hungry, it's a sign that, that the last meal you ate was a failure. And it was a failure in this regard that it did not last forever. It didn't satisfy you and it didn't keep you from getting hungry again. Um, every meal we eat fails ultimately because you've got to eat again. And so actually to feel the hunger reminds us that the things that we go after in this world, the things that we, and even just the things we need in this world ultimate, are not the ultimate things, are not the things that ultimately satisfy, are not the things that ultimately will meet all of our appetites, all the desires we have given by God can only be satisfied in Jesus. And so when you feel that hunger, when you, you, you're, you're having that experience of the world not being everything you need, it reminds us that um, the failure of each meal um, convinces us that nothing can satisfy or sustain us, that our striving in life is actually ultimately futile. Our expectation that the things of this world will satisfy us, will be what, everything that we need, that's, that's a kind of madness in the end. And so our hunger can be a good experience to remind us of that. But secondly, also eating is a good thing to remind us about our need for Jesus as well. And this has really been a long-term aspect of Christian spirituality that eating meals for lots of reasons actually but including this uh, is part of a, a spiritual approach to life that as we eat we remember that God has provided this for us and we're thankful but we're also thankful that God has provided us the real food and the real drink Jesus his son and so because we need to eat regularly we have a regular reminder in our life about this and so it's really good to incorporate this into your spirituality. And the usual way that people have done this is by giving thanks at meals, to pray and thank God for the food. But when we do this, uh, and I, I try to do this, not all the time, but often, is to say thank you for this food, but even more, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus, your son. Because you're saying, I need this food and I'm thankful for it but there's something that I need even more that you've provided for me. And so eating regularly in this way and praying regularly in this way actually 
can feed our faith and remind us about Jesus all the time. This is the kind of thing that that book, uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, that we've talked about in the past, encourages us to do, just to have regular practices in our life each day which shape our faith and strengthen our faith. It's also interesting that over the centuries, uh, Christian culture has had both feasting and fasting as part of the calendar, the yearly rhythm of things, Um, which is quite strange when you think about it, actually. So times when you deliberately go without, you deliberately make yourself hungry, and also times of feasting as well. And you might kind of think, well, what Christians kind of, you know, they're just going back and forth thinking, oh, food is bad, so we'll stay away from it. And then thinking, oh, no, food is really good, let's have heaps and heaps of it. And, you know, they go back and forth between those two extremes. That's a bit, that's a bit strange. But what's going on there? Well, on one hand, there is the recognition that actually, no, the food cannot satisfy and it's good for us to sometimes feel the hunger deliberately. And other times when we go, God has been so good to us, we're going to celebrate what God has done and we're going to have a great time together and we're going to remember Jesus and the promise of sharing in the great feast of God's kingdom. So actually both those things are good to have in your life as well as the ordinary times as well. Don't just have feasting and fasting. You need lots of ordinary time as well. In fact, today, I believe, is a feast day. Is that, isn't that true? Today, I'm just by my calculations, is the last day of Christmas, the end of the feast, so Merry Christmas, <laughs> the end of the feast of Christmas, which is traditionally the biggest, the biggest feast day, right? Now, this is really weird because most of the rest of the world have put away the decorations, the shops have you know, brought in the first Easter eggs and so on, but we can still celebrate. In fact, now is the best time really to celebrate Christmas. Once all that stuff is out of the way, we can actually remember Jesus and you know, forget about all that stuff that gets in the way. So maybe today you just want to go home and let's say, let's have one last Christmas feast and remember and feed on Jesus in our hearts. The last thing, of course, to remember about eating and drinking to remember Jesus is the Lord's Supper the bread and the wine that Jesus specifically gave us to remember him. And as we eat the bread and the wine, we're not literally eating Jesus, but as the service says, we're going to hear the prayer, we lift our hearts to Jesus in heaven and we feed on him in our hearts. The bread and the wine helps us to remember Jesus, that he died for us, and to feed on him in our hearts, that our our faith can be strengthened as we remember how much we need Jesus. And we'll do that in a moment. Why don't we pray? and give thanks to God for Jesus. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us the bread of life. Thank you for sending your Son for our sake. Thank you that he gave up his life for us. Thank you that you raised him forever. Thank you for giving us this real food. Please, we pray, help us to feed on him, to totally commit ourselves to him to see him as the source of our eternal life with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.